May it please the listeners. My name is Rich Schoenstein, and this is Law Brief. Joining me today, uh, one of my favorite intellectual property lawyers, my partner, Mark Rosenberg. Good afternoon, Mark. Good afternoon, Rich. Mark's been on a couple of times before, but today he is joining us to talk about what we call online distribution leakage. Did I get the term right? Yes. All right. And I gather, Mark, that the parameter of this topic is it's what to do when other people are selling your goods online. Is that, am I getting that right? Generally speaking, yes. And it also applies offline as well in brick and mortar stores. But let's focus on the online issues because those are the most prevalent today. Right. And I think about this, you know, you can get pretty much anything you want online. And sometimes you go to a, a major store distributor that you know, and sometimes not so major. And you do a lot of your work with things that are sold on the Amazon platform. Is that correct? Correct. Okay. So here's a predicate question. Is it legal for people to sell goods they've purchased from others online? Generally speaking, yes. If the goods are new goods, nothing's changed with them. Uh, The packaging hasn't been tampered with or altered. For example, putting a sticker over a UPC code or a product warning. It's perfectly legal to sell new, unused product, undamaged product online or anywhere else. So I can buy something at a store or online, keep it in its packaging and post it for resale and jack up the price a little bit and resell it a minute later. Happens all the time on the Amazon marketplace. Okay. And and I gather some people make a business doing that, that that is their business model to buy and resell. Exactly. There's a lot of arbitrage that goes on, that there's these sophisticated algorithms that finds products on Amazon and then searches other online marketplaces for the same product at a lower price. And what the seller will do is advertise it on Amazon and either physically buy it from the other seller or drop ship it from the other seller. Interesting. Doesn't the original seller have a trademark right it controls? Yes, but this is a genuine product. And if it's going from an authorized distributor to a customer, that remains a genuine product. It may violate Amazon's rules. It violates, most likely violates the other seller's rules or the other online retailer's rules, but it is not a trademark infringement. The trademark issues come into effect when there's material differences between what the brand owner is selling and what the reseller is selling. All right. Well, let's talk first about where there's no material difference. Is there any option for the original seller to control the redistribution of its products? Well, that goes back to its distribution agreements with its distributors. If the brand owner is interested in preventing this from happening, it needs tightly worded agreements that prevent its distributors from selling for resale or selling in bulk or selling for online, whatever the brand owner wants to prevent needs to be in the distribution agreement. Because then if the distributor violates it, say by selling to an Amazon seller, the brand owner can just simply terminate the agreement if it's worded properly. 
Right. But I gather that, that you can only control the people that you enter into a contract with. So you can control the distributor, but then you can't control the people that the distributor sells to. Provided that they're selling genuine goods and un- undamaged new goods, no. All right. So what happens then if they start to sell goods that do have material differences? And, and what kind of differences are we talking about? So if there are material differences, then it becomes a trademark infringement. The differences can be what I mentioned before, differences in the packaging, whether there's a sticker placed on it in a key place, covering up a warning label, ingredient label, covering up the UPC code. The product can be repackaged. Product can be not stored in the proper way. Some products, it's important that they be stored in a temperature controlled environment or light controlled environment. If one of those things happen, then you have a material difference. The other type of material difference is with, with gray market goods. And those are genuine goods purchased from another country. Brand owners often sell in multiple countries. And in country A, the packaging and instructions are different than the packaging or instructions sold in country B. For example, a product sold in Germany, most likely the instructions will be written in German. And to sell that product in the United States and only with German instructions would be considered a material difference. Is there case law that tells you how much of a change is material and how much isn't? Generally speaking, the case law, the standard for what is material is quite low. It's something that's relevant to a consumer, which is a, it's vague and low. It's almost, you know it when you see it. Okay. And, and when there is a material difference, does that affect things like warranties and service of those products going forward? Well, yes. If it's a material difference, then it's not the same product. So yes, that would affect warranties and servicing. The issue becomes when the seller is not an authorized distributor, can the brand owner cancel the warranty or cancel the service? And that's really an open question. It's some states, such as New York, actually prohibit a brand owner from discontinuing the warranty. Other states say that that's permissible. But you might want to consider that if you're buying a product from someone who's not the original seller, you might want to know how that's going to affect the warranty. Correct. And some courts have held that so long as the seller plainly states that it's not covered by the brand owner's warranty, that's enough to prevent confusion and consumers, you know, buyer beware. And that's not an infringement. All right. What about, Mark, where there are differences, product differences, like in terms of quality? So, for example, brand owners may use different ingredients in, in let's say, a food product in one country versus another country. Um, Classic example is a Cadbury bar, which has a very distinct taste in the United Kingdom. And it's made by license in the United States, and it doesn't taste the same. However, if you import for resale a Cadbury bar from the UK without permission, that would be a trademark infringement because it's, uh, the ingredients in the United States are different. Another example is books. The, the quality of the paper varies from uh, country to country. So if you import for resale a book from one country to another country and, and the paper quality is different, than what's permitted in, in the, the country in which, to which it was imported, that would be a material difference. Okay. Well, that's interesting. Do the Cadbury cream eggs, are they made differently in England? All Cadbury's made differently in England. It's much better there. 
<laughs> I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to get some of the English ones then. <laughs> so let's say you're the original producer and seller of a product that's being distributed in a manner where there's been a material difference. Then what do you do about it? How do you how do you address that? Well, for platforms like Amazon, you can file a notice of infringement. But before doing that, it's highly advisable to purchase the product just to make sure it really is different. Because to file a, a report of infringement or counterfeiting when it's not can set the brand owner up for claims of uh, trade libel, defamation, and tortious interference with contract. I've worked with clients who put a product up for, yes, they are not an authorized seller. They put it up for sale on Amazon, have zero sales. Because it's the first day and day two, they get a takedown notice from the brand owner. Amazon takes it down. It is not possible for the brand owner to conduct an inspection because no goods were sold. When you say file a notice of trademark infringement or a takedown notice, are you talking about in court or just serving it on Amazon? The platforms, Amazon, Walmart, platforms like that. Right. So you would write Amazon by way of example and say this product is materially different. It's therefore an infringement and you need to take it off of Amazon. And if you're wrong about that, you could be causing damage to the reseller and then you could become liable for that. Correct. Amazon has an online form that the brand owner or its attorney would fill out. And Amazon is pretty good about taking down these allegedly infringing products. The problem is what happens when the brand owner is wrong. The brand owner can withdraw the complaint, but it takes Amazon a while to put the products back up. And every day the product listing is down, those are lost sales for which the brand owner can be liable for. Right. And that kind of liability can be pretty drastic under some state laws, isn't that right? Correct. Uh, there's some state unfair competition laws that the damages can be troubled. And, and this would have to be a lawsuit. The damages can be troubled, plus the brand owner would be required to pay the seller's attorney's fees. Okay. So I can see you'd want to be careful before you serve a takedown notice on the platform. I guess you'd even want to be more careful before you like ran off to court to try to get a restraining order, right? Uh, absolutely. And you're talking you know, something that takes a few minutes to do, a takedown notice. And then something that's going to generate tens of thousands of legal fees before you even walk into court. Right. Take down notices, fill out a form and go to court is write a lot of papers. I guess another option would be simply contacting the reseller itself with some sort of cease and desist letter. Correct. And typically in these cease and desist letters, the brand owner will demand that the seller disclose where it's getting the products from. And typically the brand owner doesn't want to do that and is under no legal obligation to do it because it doesn't want to turn off its source. Because what's going to happen is the brand owner is going to go after its own distributor and say, knock it off or cut off the distributor entirely. Right. So the reseller isn't under a legal obligation to disclose its source, but in order to prove the legitimacy of the products it's selling, it might feel compelled to do so. Is that right? Correct. It's a catch-22 often. Yeah. We had a situation in our office last week. A client was purchasing genuine product from an authorized distributor and reselling it on Amazon, gets a cease and desist letter from the brand owner, and the brand owner was demanding that 
the seller identify its distributor and saying that also the product was counterfeit. Our response is this is a bad faith letter because first of all, it's clear you have not inspected the product, which is genuine product. And two, we're not giving you the name of the uh, brand owner. That's not, that's not, we're not doing that. I mean, this is a big issue because I gather the size of this resale market on Amazon and the like is a pretty hefty chunk of the economy right now. It is. And another thing that happens is Amazon sellers who have their own brands sometimes sell outside of Amazon, whether it's Walmart, brick and mortar stores. And sometimes there are price differences. Goes on sale at Walmart, goes on sale at a brick and mortar store. And a seller will buy the product where it's lower priced, then go on Amazon, resell the product at a price slightly below the brand owners and take away the brand owner's sales. And brand owners, for obvious reasons, hate this. They're essentially competing with themselves. So there are ways of preventing that and ways of preventing all types of distribution leakage by making differences between the products. The product the brand owner wants to sell by itself or sell online and the product that it sells um, in brick and mortar stores. For example, I've seen brand owners for their online products sell in packages of 10. For their brick and mortar stores, sell in packages of 12. And another brand owner was selling paint, a collection of paint for children. It had one set of colors for online and had another set of colors for brick and mortar stores. That way, these are materially different different in both ways. That way, at least the unauthorized seller cannot piggyback on the brand owner's listing on Amazon, the brand owner's ASIN, which is the number, uh, the identification number for Amazon products. So it lessens the ability for a unauthorized distributor to compete. The final way of creating material differences is have different packaging for the brand owner's sales channels and third-party sales channels. Again, that would be considered a material difference. All right, so you can try to set up your enforcement by creating a material difference at the outset, and then you have the advantage of, of actually knowing that there's a material difference at the time you file the takedown notice. Correct, uh, and that only applies though for on Amazon, and I'm focusing on Amazon here, is when the seller is using the same ASIN to sell the, let's say, the brick and mortar product on Amazon. That violates Amazon's rules. It's still not a trademark infringement. That's a, a rules violation for Amazon, but a, a brand owner can have the product taken down for that. All right. Well, that's a, a really interesting area of law. Remind us, you've been on with us a couple of times before. What is your practice, generally speaking? I am an intellectual property attorney with a focus on online and Amazon marketplace issues. If you need any more information about Mark or about this issue of controlling online distribution leakage, you can look on our website, www.tartarkrinsky.com. You can find his profile, you can find a publication by him on this issue, and you can find a lot of other useful information. And as you know, we end these episodes with a closing argument. So what's the takeaway here for people who are sellers or resellers in the online marketplace on Amazon or elsewhere? If you're a reseller, make sure you're selling genuine product. If you're a brand owner, try to create material differences and have ironclad distribution agreements. 
That is short and to the point. Actually, the whole episode is short and to the point, but a really important issue, a lot of commerce being done this way. Thank you, Mark, for coming back and bringing that to our attention. Thank you, Rich. Thank you again for listening to Law Brief. Now here's something lawyerly, a disclaimer. We are not your lawyers. We do not have an attorney-client relationship, and this podcast does not constitute legal advice. If you need legal advice, you should contact and engage counsel of your own choosing who can best address your own situation and particular needs. You can find more information about our law firm, me, and many of our guests at our website, www.tartarkrinsky.com. We are a mid-size, full-service firm located in New York City and New Jersey. If you want to contact us for any reason, be it comments, topic ideas, or anything else, you can email us at podcast at You can also follow this podcast on iTunes, among other places, and we would very much appreciate it if you rate or review us. I'm Rich Schoenstein, and this was Law Brief. Mm-hmm.